Yeah. They got a lot of bullshit on these radio stations these days. So we resort to the podcast. Because that's the only spot you can get the truth from. From the true artists. Tapped into the underground. Let's Let's go. go. 30. Yeah. Trying to delve in the mind of an artist who's honest Who ain't trying to market the nonsense We on this Planning for all this at office is awesome And y'all done listening to awful and awkward Songs in rotation on stations at losses Creativeness ain't it a shame that it's all come right to an end But we all must seek to reach a mighty mighty monster with loss and ENT Shit Timothy Lawson, you're listening to episode 17 of Mighty Mighty Marston House, a podcast where we bring you some of the most talented individuals in the hip-hop community. We talk to them about their lyrics, about their creative process, how they got into hip-hop, and their experience in the culture overall. I'm going to be short with this monologue so we can get on to our interview with Jersey artist Rich Quick. If you're in the Philly area and you need some recording done, you need to get uh, into the studio, call or text 609-496-8031. That's the number from Marston House Studios. Be sure to hit them up and get your studio time booked. They just got a new location near Temple University, and the new studio is sick. Be one of the first to get in there and record. If you haven't already and you are an iTunes user, be sure to go into iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. If you just search Mighty Mighty Marston House or even just Marston House, you'll see it pop up. Two feeds may show up. One of them says official feed. That is the current feed. The other one's a dead feed. It won't be updating. That one's the one that you want. Uh, if you want a little bit more streamlined way to get there, just go to lostinentertainment.com slash Mighty iTunes, all one word, Mighty iTunes, and that'll bring you straight to the podcast in your iTunes provider. An important reason to stay subscribed to the podcast in iTunes are the ciphers that I put out. Marston House is these awesome ciphers. You can watch the videos at youtube.com slash House. But to get an audio version, to be able to listen to these ciphers while you're on the go, you want to be subscribed to the podcast in iTunes because every week, uh, a couple of days after the interview that I publish, I'll throw out a cipher from the Marston House Cipher Library. Without further ado, this is my interview with Rich Quick. Thank you for taking the time to listen. There's a lot of podcasts out there. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this one. I know my guests do too. Enjoy. What's going on, brother? How you doing? What's up, man? How's uh you're you're up in Philly, right? I'm actually in South Jersey. You're in South Jersey, okay. Yep. So Rich Quick from South Jersey, born and raised South Jersey? Born and raised in South, born and raised in Woodbury, New Jersey, South Jersey. Man, it's amazing how many people I've met from Jersey, yet it's such a small state. Like, size-wise, it's a small state. It it, it blows my mind that so many people are from that small of a state. Yeah, and what's what's interesting about it is it's, it's a small state. And yet we still section it off. We section it off into three sections. So when you asked me where I was from, you notice I said that I'm from South Jersey. I didn't say that I'm from Jersey. Right. You're from South Jersey. Right. 
So are the other two sections North Jersey and Mid Jersey, or so, what are the other two? Yeah, so it's so yeah. it's like Central Jersey, which is like Trenton, that sort of area, and then that's Central Jersey. If you call that South Jersey, those people will not appreciate that. <laughs> and and then there's North Jersey, which is kind of like you know closer to New York. Right. And one thing that I have realized about people from two things I know I, I know about uh, about Jersey. One, people from Jersey like telling you they're from Jersey. It's one of the it's one of the top states, and if someone's from there, they are proud to let you know that that's where they're from. I mean, I I suppose that would be true. I mean, I I most certainly do enjoy telling people I'm from Jersey. So right. Well, I mean, like you know, there's there's <laughs> only a few states where that's true. Texas is definitely one of those states. Uh, oh, I think yeah, California yeah. is one of those states. New York is definitely one of those states. But I think New York is more the city than the state. If you're not from NYC, you're not really keen to tell people you're from New York State as as quickly. Right. Uh, but there's, you know, Jersey's definitely up there. The other thing I know about New Jersey, I guess, is I guess this is more what I know about people from New York. If you try to insinuate that someone from New York is possibly from Jersey, <laughs> they they get very offended. I learned this to be true through uh, television programs and in, in interacting with people in real life. The Jersey and New York, I've learned, do not like to get mixed up with each other. Yeah, because North Jersey is – well, North Jersey kind of wishes that it, that it was New York, honestly. Um, sure. So if you mis- mistook a person from North Jersey for being from New York, they, they would probably like that. But, uh, I mean, North Jersey is just so similar to, to New York. But I can right. see why somebody uh, from New York would, wouldn't want to be associated with North Jersey. Now, do you think that the same way that North New Jersey is similar to New York, would you say that South Jersey is similar to Philly in the same way? Similar. It's similar. Uh, it's different, though. It's hard to explain because where, like, for example, where I'm from in South Jersey, I, I literally am 10 minutes from Philadelphia. I live 10 right. minutes away. That's really close. Whereas, you know, there's other other places in South Jersey. There's Vineland and Salem County and these different places that are farther away. The farther south Jersey you go, the more country things become. It starts to become, yeah. you know, a little more rural, which you don't necessarily think about that when you think about New Jersey as a whole. So there in South Jersey, when did Rich Quick get introduced to hip-hop? More importantly, how? Was it through a CD, the radio, uh, sibling, listening to rap music? How were you introduced to hip-hop? It was around my house. My sister, my older sister, had begun listening to hip-hop. You know, I was just a, a, a baby. I was a, I was a kid, very young, when, when I first started appreciating hip-hop music. My mom played a lot of hip hop music, and I I just liked it. At that time, there was uh, a lot of hip hop music was coming from the West Coast, and the the songs that they were sampling were songs that I had already been familiar with from growing up. You know, like Parliament Funkadelic songs and James Brown. These, these hip hop artists were doing you know sampling of of these songs that I was familiar with that I liked. And I thought that it was dope. And that got me into wanting to do it myself. So I started rhyming when I was like seven years old. Very young. That is very young. So uh, so you started rhyming at seven years old. So this is, one, this is a question I really like asking artists. And I think we're going to get an interesting answer out of you. 
At what point then did you notice the first significant jump in your talent to when you were able to look back and be like, man, I, I'm getting really good at this? It wasn't until later, like probably like 11th grade or something like that. Okay. Um, you know, looking back, there was I, I was making you know leaps and bounds from the time I was seven years old until from like sure. second grade to 11th grade. But I remember the material I was coming up with when I was in 11th grade, we had, we had started uh, recording, you know, semi-professionally at that point and uh, myself and my, my rap group at the time. And things started to, it started to become more real and you know what I mean? More serious. And even now I can look back at the songs that, that I wrote and recorded during that time and say, okay, okay, young blood. You know what I mean? Like you, you, right. had, you had really started to get busy. I look back at myself and, and I can see when my rhymes matured and, and things got, things got real. The interest that I had in distinguishing the difference between Jersey, New York, Philly, all that, and on the East Coast, this is that's just normal, right? Under, everybody understands the proximity that everything has to each other and how different, you know, where the lines are, where the culture starts getting different. I'm from the West Coast where, like, places are drastic, are so far from each other, right? Like, people think that, like, Portland, Portland and Seattle are, like, in their own little, like, area up there. They're still five hours apart. Like, it takes you five right. hours to drive from Seattle to Portland, which is very different about, uh, you know, about the East Coast. So tell me then about what the hip-hop culture was like while you were in high school. What was the hip-hop culture like in your area, and how was that different from what was going on in Philly? It was hard to it was hard to come by. There were things uh, that were happening, but you kind of had to be really interested in that sort of thing to come across it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, South Jersey doesn't have much of a South Jersey has a a, a beautiful hip hop culture, but they don't have much of a hip hop scene, a plane for the artists to exist on where they all know each other and and everything like that you're talking about suburbs of of philadelphia you know like i said the further south that you go the more rural the communities become so back in the day day when i was first coming up we didn't have youtube we didn't have myspace we didn't have you know really internet or anything like that we had it at school you know what i mean so in order for us to be exposed to other hip-hop artists or other rappers, especially our age, but just any at all, we had to go to these other places, these different towns. You know what I mean? And that's what that's yeah. what we would like doing. We would, we would, you know, every time we would find an excuse to go someplace different, we would find the rappers there. We would either cipher with them or battle them or, or whatever we had to do, you know? Right, and so you mentioned that you know there wasn't a there wasn't MySpace and stuff like that, and this is a question that I definitely like asking artists around our age is, you know, how did the development of the internet really start changing the way you approached your not the creation of your music, obviously, but how you got it to your fans? Well, the, I, I'll never forget the day that I noticed that I had a, a fan base and and it's actually kind of an emotional moment to think back on. It wasn't emotional at the time, but now as, as an adult and, and uh, as somebody who has made this my life, I think back on the, on the day, like maybe not the day that I created my MySpace account, 
But the day that I logged into my MySpace account and realized that I had all these like requests and stuff, and I had been developing a fan base for years and years and years, but didn't know it. Because, you know what I mean? You go around. Right. You go around to different towns and stuff, and you battle people, and you meet people and stuff like that. And people, uh, we had we had CDs out, and we had different things. And, and they would get, you know, we had hundreds of them, and they, they would get passed around, and, and, and people would love it. But, you know, we didn't have websites, and we didn't have these different things. We barely had computers. So when MySpace came out, and I got one, you start to realize that, you know, your friends, all the rest of your friends or, or people that you know have like, you know, 75 friends on MySpace tops. And it's like, wait a minute, I have 500. And I just, you know, created this account, you know, a couple of days ago or whatever. So when I created a MySpace was when I could first see an actual tangible fan base that I could see with my own eyes. And I, yeah. I couldn't believe it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was, That's, uh, it was dope. It, yeah, I can imagine. So what about, you know, that was MySpace. Fast forward to now, now that everybody's on the Internet, are you still seeing that same – the following, I'm sure, is there. Like, I, I see your SoundCloud account. It's definitely getting attention. But, like, through Facebook and Twitter, like, are you getting, are you getting the same fan engagement that you were when social media was a new thing? Uh, yeah, well – it was different and my approach to it was different as a teenager also. Right. Um, I think, I think that I got MySpace when I was like 17 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't give a damn about anything in my life, let alone these people that were like flocking, you know, to me. And I mentioned these things, uh, on, I'm with the DJ on my first mixtape. I'm with the DJ where I mentioned like, you know, my whole career not treating my fans right because I I didn't ask for fans I didn't ask for fans to know what to do with them you know sure. what I mean and I didn't know I didn't quite understand that you know what I mean it's important to treat people like people and not like fans because rappers that you look up to kind of kind of make you feel that that fans are not people but I think what's interesting now is I think that because of social media, that's starting to reverse. Because I know some of the some of the artists that even as a grown adult, there is artists that I strongly look up to, and their simple interactions with me on Twitter reminds me that they recognize that their fans are important and enjoy engaging with them. Now, not obviously, you know, M and Hove and Kanye, you know, they're not doing right, that, right, obviously, right. but there's still artists on. I'm not going to mention who because Ethan at Marston House made me promise to not mention a certain artist for at least one episode. And I don't remember how long it's been since I've done that. So <laughs> I'm not going to mention who it is, but it is that guy, uh, <laughs> uh, a, a Jersey rapper, nonetheless. Um, but like I've had interactions with, uh, you know, you with Joel Ortiz and, and other rappers. And it's made me realize, you know, it reminds me that they get that they have a following that's important, even if it's as simple as, a response or a follow back or whatever it may be. Uh, and so I think, I think Twitter is slowly starting to, and I say slowly, <laughs> even though it's been around for a little while, it's slowly starting to reverse the idea that fans, you know, are lost in, as, uh, as artists get bigger. In, in artist defense, 
sometimes people can be really strange and you don't quite know how to, <laughs> you know what I mean? How to react yeah. to some, some of the things that people say. I think, I think Stan's a really great observation of that. Right. You know, where, where, where he says, you know, we could have been together. It sounds so absurd. But if you think about how big Eminem was, there had to have been at least two Absolutely. or three fans that just came forward with just the weirdest ideas, and it's like, I don't know what to do with this. Absolutely. Have you had any weird inter- interactions like that? I've, I've, had, I've had a lot. Uh, it's funny because what I couldn't even tell you what a weird interaction is because people are just people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some things, sure. some things that I, I think of as, as weird are actually you know, kind of flattering. They're... they're I hate using examples, especially of of my fans, because they're my fans. Yeah, and I you, and you don't have to you don't have to label it as weird, but maybe you know give us an example of just an interaction that sort of you weren't expecting or you didn't know how to respond to in the moment. There was a guy one time that that sent me uh, a picture of of his wall. It was like his bedroom door or something, or or his wall, and uh, there was a whole bunch of pictures of me on there which is dope you know what i mean um yeah it it's just you know this this was a grown man so it's like <laughs> if it, you know what i mean it it was yeah. i didn't quite know how to respond other than like hey man that's that's really dope but i wouldn't do it myself you know what i mean it's a shame Cause because in, in any other context it's it's strange, right? Yeah if, yeah if, because if, i think i think the whole thing is that that i'm i'm just a regular guy I'm totally regular. You know what I mean? There's, I, I happen to have done hip-hop music for a really long time, and things are going really well for me and everything like that. But I, I don't necessarily think of myself on a day-to-day as you know being deserving of having my pictures up on people's walls and things like that. So let's, uh, let's talk about your creative process. This is another um, question I really enjoy asking rappers because everybody, uh, everybody has their own unique approach to making music. You know, let's use your, your most recent release, um, The Everywhere Man. You know, what was your creative process when going through these tracks? Are you an MC that likes to get a beat first? Do you, uh, do you get a song concept first and search for the right beat? How do you go about that? I always say I do what the beats say do. So basically I am writing specifically to beats and I write to whatever the beat is that I get. So I'm not like a music snob that sits there and listens to a beat and says, Oh, this beat is horrible. I can't make a good song for this. Cause I'm not worried about that aspect of the song. I'm worried about what I'm saying, which I, I feel it's important for me to, you know, communicate certain ideas and, and things like that through these records. So what what happens is I, I get the beat from my producer or, or whoever it may be at the time, and I write the song. With this last album, The Everywhere Man, I actually had several songs that I had worked on with my producer, Stankfoot, that had just never come out for good reasons that it, that it never came out. I had done sad songs, and that was produced by Stress, um, these songs were produced by somebody else. So they they didn't have any business being on that project. And it came time to release another project. And I said, well, you know, I got these three or four songs. And we kind of built the project off of those songs. It is a process, but it's not something that I overthink. Track selection. 
I think it's something that a lot of amateur artists don't really deal with too much because I think that most rappers struggle for resources. And so the luxury of being able to record dozens of songs and only choose a certain amount isn't affordable to, to most people. Did you, like, how many tracks did you record for the Everywhere Man, and how did you go through your selection process? Or were you just like, here's my set, I'm done? Um, it was basically like that. I, I, I didn't over-record for the Everywhere Man. But the Everywhere Man was also a different, there were different circumstances involved. That record was being planned around, you know, a European tour. Sure. There was there was different circumstances involved with me creating that record that I hadn't experienced before. It wasn't created like a usual rich quick record is created. So it's not quite the same is what I'm saying. As okay. as my usual the way I usually do things. You mentioned your European tour. Which cities were you uh were you at? Um I was all all in and out the UK. Did did London and, and uh different places Stoke and Birmingham and uh Liverpool. Uh we did Portsmouth and a bunch of cities in, in the UK. May, primarily it was a it was a UK tour. And then we okay. also did um Amsterdam where I actually actually sold out a, my first uh show overseas in Amsterdam. So how did how did you realize that when did you when did you realize that you had a strong enough international following to warrant a tour like this? Oh man, you you want to hear something funny? I love funny things. They had hit me up to to do this tour, and I was like, you know, thanks thanks a lot, but you know, I'm not big enough to do this. And then my manager is like, "What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what yeah. do you like? People are hitting you up to go on tour overseas, and you're saying no." Uh, but it was because cause it's not exactly me being humble. I think it's all, almost like me being ridiculously crazy or or like down on myself because because yeah, I it, it didn't seem like something. You know, I talk to people overseas all the time via my social networks and things like that, and I just didn't see it as being a, a hugely you know successful thing for me and. Uh, I didn't think it was the right time, but it it really was the right time, and I'm glad that things worked out the way that they did because I wound up going, and it was and it was quite the experience. Was every show a sellout show? Absolutely not. There was even some dud shows, just like just like I do here. Right. Um, the only difference is though, it was five to ten thousand miles away or whatever, and I would much rather do a dud show there than here. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, uh, looking at some, you know, I've been listening to The Everywhere Man today, and I pulled this line from your song, Sun Come. Forgive me if I, uh, that's it's a, always... It, that's an old song. It's actually a really old song that I that I newly recorded and put on The Everywhere Man. It's always awkward trying to, like, read a hip-hop lyric like you would read a normal uh-huh. <laughs> sentence. Uh, but hey, I, I gave, gave my, my life, life away. away. Don't like the way I like to play. And they took they ball and y'all hopped in they car and took they side and now I, I hate, hate y'all. y'all. Is this a specific reference to something? Is there a story behind that? Uh, it's basically saying, let me, try, let me try and gather this line up. I gave my life away and they don't like the way I like to play. 
and they took they ball, and y'all hopped in they car and took they side, and now I hate y'all. And that's the way it works. You either with me or against me. If you with me, it's perks. Basically, what I'm saying is that's the way that things are. Sometimes in life, people aren't going to like the way that you're playing, and they're going to take their ball and go home. And then other people might side with them. They might go with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 you know you're gonna you basically what I'm saying is you're gonna lose you're gonna lose friends because you know they took their ball y'all hopped in their car and took they side and now I hate y'all and that's the way it works. So do you do you have a do you, I mean do you have a story similar to that where you were in a situation where you were uh, you know people that you were sided with or that you at least thought were you know, within your network that uh, chose against you and that you had to sort of sever a relationship? I try my best not to sever any relationship ever. Things happen, and things have happened, man, where where they've gone south, and, and I've even, you know, I've tried to save relationships before they get there in this game. I can't think of, of there's, I mean, there's a, I can think of a few relationships that, that aren't the same or, I can think of of a few situations that went south, but it's not really worth speaking of. And and I I also I just try to be a a, a dope dude and, and a genuine person. So any of those people can change can change it just by being a, a good person. Also, you know what I mean? Like it it is what it yeah. is. I don't harness any sort of negative feelings towards anybody at all. That's good. That's uh, so last week I talked to to Hezekiah about uh, you know he he was talking about a situation where he he was at fault for burning some bridges and how that impacted his career. I want to talk about the other side of that to sort of wrap this up on the strength of networking and establishing good relationships because one of the reasons why this interview is happening is. I have a good relationship with Steve Gax and Marson House, who has a good relationship with you, and he made that happen. Um, you know, what's, you know, it could be recent, could have been at the beginning of your career. Tell us a time where you really, you established a really <coughs> valuable relationship and it ended up being a catalyst for for bigger things for you in your career. It's it's every it's every relationship, bro. Like, it's every every single relationship that I've made in hip-hop from day one was like a stepping stone on a path to get me where where I was inevitably going to go anyway. And any any relationship could have could have taken me, you know, any direction, but it was always going to take me here. Trust and believe that. I believe that. There's a few that stick out of my head, of course, of course, uh my wonderful management Exponent Entertainment. They're truly responsible for catapulting me into the industry um by introducing me to dj no frills who who released uh, uh you know a respected philly dj who who released my first mixtape got me co-signs by by artists um that otherwise you know wouldn't have given me the time of day had they not wanted his support because they knew it was important to him for them to support me so DJ No Frills and Benja Styles are they're they're definitely two, and also uh, Hezekiah that you just mentioned is is another one. And um, Stress the White Boy, aka DJ Stress, really scooped me up and changed my whole entire life 
and put me in in the actual industry whereas i was working with cats like dilated peoples and and tim armstrong from rancid and things like that working on on you know industry records that stress is really the one that that really changed things for me and it was just it was just a, a relationship that that kind of blossomed into something very beautiful these are lifelong friends of mine we can't forget the journey we've all gone through too much now together so it's it's you know it's a journey Rich, a, a quick lightning round, if you will, just a quick few questions that uh, that only need a couple word answers. Uh, if I could get on the phone tomorrow and get you any artist in the world to get on a rich quick track, who do you want me to call up? Busta Rhymes, definitely. Busta, Busta. Rhymes, that's a good answer. Definitely that's Busta. A, and then so same question, but with a producer. Oh man, uh, this one always, this one always gets me because i don't like i just got done saying how i don't care yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean sure like i like i like producers like i you know ant from atmosphere is a is a is a brilliant producer and and uh i would love to work with ant from atmosphere also ayatollah i would love to work with ayatollah uh an album from your childhood or anything up until you're 18 an album from <laughs> uh when you're when you were younger uh, that you still like to listen to today? The Chronic. <laughs> That's nice. I just listened uh, to it on Saturday again, nice. and I love it just as much as I ever did. Sure. If you could perform, I mean, you just got done with a European tour. Uh, give us a venue, a city, a state, anywhere, somewhere that you would like to perform. Oh, man. Uh, nor I would love to perform you know, anywhere in Scandinavia, really. That's where a huge portion of my fan base is, and I just can't seem to get anyone to bring me out there. Well, hopefully uh, hopefully that happens soon. Uh, and, of course, we're following you on Twitter, Rich uh, MFN Quick. Uh, I suppose we can all guess what the MFN uh, stands for. You never know. Uh, never know. <laughs> 13 hours ago, you tweeted, I want to learn yoga, yo. Can you imagine Oh, Can we Lord. anticipate uh, some rich quick yoga in the future? Man, listen, thank God, thank God that it wasn't like nothing crazier than that. That's all I can say. Jesus. <laughs> I yo, that tweet could you know what's crazy? My life just flashed before my eyes because that tweet that you read literally could have been anything. Don't let me have been drinking the night before. Then it it <laughs> could be even crazier. Um I think if I remember right, the first time that I was in Philly, hanging out with Steve and Ethan at Marston House. That day, I think you were trolling some other Philly ar- or some other artist on Twitter, and it was like the thing of the day. Oh yeah, Everybody yeah, yeah, that was yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this, it's this, you know, loser, no name that we're not going to name, but yeah, right. You know, yeah, that was funny. That was actually really <laughs> funny, actually. Every we did a cipher that night. Every artist that came through was like, "You see, Rich fucking trolling that one guy," and, and like it was, it was fun to watch because it showed how just how aware everybody was of what other artists were doing and how uh, the culture sort of had its own community. It was pretty cool, yeah, actually. Yeah, and and you know, a huge part of that had to do with the fact that that artist is an artist that, you know, claims that he's all about, you know, that particular city and everything like that, and he never did a Marston House cipher. Yeah. And it's like, you know, well, where do you, that's, that's us. That's the whole, that's, you know, a big part of the scene. But, hey, you know, we could talk about that all day. 
But, sure. But yeah, man. Uh, as far as as far as yoga goes, probably never going to do it ever. <laughs> Fair enough. I do some yoga, and it's uh, it's refreshing, but it's it's difficult to to really get into. Hopefully, when uh, when Marson House is up and running and officially open, and we do a mighty mighty Marson House cipher, hopefully we can get you down for that. Oh man, I'd I'd love to, man. Yeah. So the the track I've decided to feature today is uh, the Everywhere Man, the the lead track off of your your new album. Excellent. Uh, can you can you lead lead us into this? Absolutely. This record is the Everywhere Man, produced by my brothers, the Snow Goons. Check it out, y'all. The Everywhere Man. We gone. You know who on these streets? Town after town, backpack on me. Now that I'm round and I'm back home, they call me Everywhere Man. I'll be everywhere, man. You know who on these streets? Town after town, backpack on me. Now that I'm round and I'm back home, they call me Everywhere Man. I'll be everywhere. I know shit. Man. Enough to make this whole crowd say, oh shit, fly shit. This shit to take your talent over oceans. Gravy, you don't want no sauce, I'm coasting I'm married where they let me and they sweat me like a coaster Get ready, my click heavy Fat boys out there drinking college towns Out drinking frat boys To the blocks with the pack boys Walk with quick, talking shit on every corner like a tabloid Back to the basics, they sick But a basket of cases, A-list class of ancient All that in a can of paint Abomination, used to rock a basement Now I'm rocking states and places where I can barely speak the language Got them waiting, uh, I'm about to drop like condensation Off the beer that they brought me in the bar that Costly, touch me, trust me, it get ugly. In any given country, they applaud me. You hard, hardly, and sparse, sparsely. My guard's sharp in the cut when I dump guts to guards. See, I'm in this, y'all. Took a second off, now I'm back to business, y'all. I've been this raw, I'm at the finish, I'm in this. And now I reckon y'all could've did this. I'm married where you isn't, boy. I'm rich, quick. Still stick a sticker, sticker on my face on the map. I'm everywhere, man. Where you at? What up? You know who on these streets. Town after town, back to Show the toe tag and I'll be back in God knows, but I make the pros know that. Grilling you, raking them coals like your dad. If I ain't feeling you, I'm making it known. I don't need you taking it or leave it. I'll leave you taking a beating and make you eat it. Another dice game, another chess game, another set tank where I've said things on microphones and mean it. Need a connect, they can connect. Need a local with respect to get me where I'm going next and leaving a check. Yes, a pro black scully cap rappers, no gully act slap rappers. Take mics to take flight and crash land in your city like Sully after a great night. Nah, Okay. 